Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hey, welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid, a radio network. Over the course of the next hour, I am going to break down the NFL betting marketplace for 2021. We're going to talk which teams you want to be betting on, want to be betting against, over teams, under teams, bet on coaches, new coordinators to consider, and overall betting strategy and philosophy. NFL talk, deep dive on coverage today. I'm going to be bringing in Nolan Dalla, a longtime veteran here in Las Vegas. This is a guy who was running the World Series of Poker for a number of years. Now he runs a blog, and it's a pretty good NFL blog. I thought we'd bring Nolan on and talk NFL deep dive on today's show. But first, I want to open talking about something that happened last weekend. When Hurricane Ida was forecast to smash into New Orleans, and when it was hitting New Orleans, and all the power was out, and all of a sudden now the Saints are practicing in Houston, and Tulane's leaving town, and Hattiesburg, Mississippi is getting hit, in the hours and days leading up to the hurricane, there were a group of bettors around town here in Las Vegas who were going around and pounding Saints season win total under, Tulane season win total under, Southern Miss season win total under, based on nothing else other than the fact that they were about to get hit by a hurricane, which they did. And I tweeted about it on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's guys bettors going around town. Uh, Pounding in limit bets on the Saints under their season win total. And of course, you know, whenever you do anything on Twitter, you're going to get, <laughs> as you know, as you well know if you're on there, you're going to get some uh, pushback. And the pushback I got was, oh my God, you're, it's a moral, so uh, how can you do this where there's people that are suffering in New Orleans right now and you're sitting there trying. I'm well aware that there are people suffering in New Orleans. I'm not going to fix the hurricane. I'm not going to fix the federal government or the state government or the local government response to the hurricane. Okay, I'm not going to ease anybody's suffering. That's not what I can do in this situation. But making money off of situations, it's not a dubious situation. It's not a gray area, all right? When Baylor basketball had teammates murdering each other under Dave Bliss, you know what the sharp money was coming in? They were betting against Baylor every day, all right? What did the sharp money do here? It bet against the Saints for the season because of the issues in New Orleans. Okay, it's not a moral or immoral issue. It is, this is a betting marketplace. The Saints season and the trajectory of their season has changed because they're not gonna be at home for a month, for the first month of the season. That is meaningful and important betting information. When you wanna take advantage of meaningful, important betting information, you want to do it fast. You don't wait. <laughs> All right. You know, hmm, let's think about this for a couple of days. You know, no. You go to the betting window and you make your wager. Or you get on your phone or you get on your laptop and you make your wager. And that's exactly what's happening in New Orleans uh, this past week. It wasn't anything that in my mind is a moral question at all. We are trying to look at a sports betting marketplace and trying to make money off a sports betting marketplace that is going to react to changes. And when the Saints lose home games, the markets are going to react to that. When the Saints lose practice time, the market's going to react to that. So, yes, I was reporting that there were betters going around town and pounding Saints under and Southern Miss under 
and Tulane under, and whatever else they could find in that region of the country under the total. My mind, that's not a moral issue at all. That's how you make money betting sports. And if you're serious about making money betting sports, those are the type of things that you do. You know what another thing people are doing right now? I'm talking about guys that live in Vegas. All right. One of the sharpest bettors I know. It's a guy I've known about 20 years. He's like, yeah, I'm packing up and moving to Colorado. Like, literally. He's like, I'm spending the football season, this football season in Colorado. Why Colorado? Because Colorado right now has a very, very active betting marketplace. Everybody's going for market share. And, of course, when you're talking about the introduction of legalized sports wagering around the country, for the big companies that are looking to take these wagers, the most important thing early is not how much money you make. It's all about market share. How many people do you sign up? How many bettors do you have in comparison to the other books that you're competing with? So what we're seeing in Colorado, we're seeing the best bonuses. We're seeing a ton of positive expectation promos. And we're seeing legit competition amongst the sports book. The antithesis of what we're seeing, like at say, the Washington, D.C. lottery, for example. So the offerings in Colorado are so good right now that, again, what does it take to win? My buddy's lived in Vegas he's in the last 20 years. He's like, I'm packing up, moving to Colorado. I don't know if I'm going to stay there, but I'll be there this football season, all season, because the offers are that good. And I'm not saying you guys should pack up and move to Colorado. I'm not packing up and moving to Colorado. Uh, and Colorado's not going to be the only state like this with viable competition, with great bonuses, with positive expectation wagers you can make because of those bonuses. But those are the type of things that the best bettors do year in and year out. They're willing to go the extra mile. And frankly, that's what it takes to win in the sports betting world. No, you don't have to move to Colorado, but you darn well better go the extra mile. Game in, game out, week in, week out throughout the course of the season. That's how you make money. Nolan Dollar coming up next. Cover it continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Look, stay on the grid all day, even when you're not tuned in, by following us on Twitter, at SportsGrid, and of course, at TV. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore Cover, and you can follow my next guest, making his first appearance on the Cover It with Teddy Cover show, Nolan Dalla on Twitter, at Nolan Dalla, except the fact that you're suspended from Twitter right now. Nolan, <laughs> what did you do, and how long are you suspended for? Well, these are, well, forever is the answer. 
You know, I, I have the dubious uh, distinction of being grouped with Donald Trump and that we've been banned for life from, from Twitter for very different reasons, I may say. And, and you know, these are political times. Uh, we are, you know, let's just say it's a, it's a volatile time, and I get involved in a lot of uh, exchanges, shall we say, with salty language, and uh, I violated their policy. And I took it like a man and said, you know what? You have every right to, to ban me, and they ban me. But I'm still on Facebook, and I'm still betting sports, and I'm still living in Las Vegas, and I'm still talking to Teddy Covers. Life can't get any better than that. <laughs> well, it could, it could possibly be better. But let me. So, you're a guy with a poker background. I uh, hyped you up a little bit earlier in the show, said you practically ran the WSOP for years. Um, tell me your superhero origin story. I like to do that when I have guests on the show for the first time. Tell me who you are. What's your background in gambling, and why should anyone care what you have to say when you talk about the NFL? Well, thank you again for the platform, uh, Teddy. I have been gambling on sports off and on for 25 years. When I say off and on, I mean very seriously, meaning professional or semi-professionally. And then there's t periods where I've taken uh, uh, time off uh, to do other things. I think balance is important in life. And so my life, uh, uh, you know, in Origins, uh, I think hopefully reflects some of that balance. Uh, I graduated from University of Texas, degree in political science. I worked for the State Department. I was stationed in, Ro in Romania at the embassy there. Uh, you know, and then I moved to Las Vegas. I basically said, okay, that was a great life, and now I'm moving to Las Vegas. I did that in uh, 2001, uh, about 20 years ago. And, um, you know, at, you're right, I was in poker at the time, but I also did a lot of sports. I've been handicapping sports, posting picks publicly at my site. I've written over a thousand. By the way, I'm not making that up. Over a thousand articles on sports betting on various things. I spent an entire three-month period, and back in 2002, coming up with what I what I think is probably my biggest climb to fame in sports gambling, which is um, halftime betting angles, where I basically took situations of first half based on scoring and various parameters, and saying you can just plug in and bet these uh, second halves. And that actually changed some of the uh, numbers. I watched uh, over the next two to three years, those numbers uh, change. So I, you know, I like to say I had some impact on sports gambling as well. But uh, the short answer on poker is I, w I worked for the World Series of Poker as the media director for 20 years. I was director of communications for Poker Stars for a number of years, and I wrote a best-selling book on Stu Unger, who is reported to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, poker player of all time. Other than that, I've done nothing in sports and gambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, sports and poker have certainly been your life uh, for the better part of the last 20 years, and I give you credit for looking for balance when it comes to work-life balance in my world, certainly when it comes to football season. I have none. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's all work and, and, and not that much play uh, between now and oh, I don't know, the Super Bowl in 2021. Uh, so talk about when you because you're an interesting guy. Introduced that you have a poker background and a sports betting background. We can talk about the commonalities between poker players and sports bettors, but I also want to talk about the contrast between them. For example, in poker, you have something that's 55-45 odds. We call that a coin flip. In sports betting, we have something that's 55 to 45 odds, and we call that an edge. <laughs> uh, is that real? And what else do we have when you're comparing and contrasting uh, poker versus betting on sports? Well, that's a really good point you make about, you know, 55, 45, that, you know, 55. get into the characteristics of poker players versus sports gamblers in a moment but but you're quite right and here's the here's the way that that you win i think is basically putting yourself in as many positive situations as you can 
And that means if you're playing poker, you want to have as many decisions as possible. And that takes time. It means you've got to play a lot of hands. <clears throat> it means if you're playing online, you may play four or five or six, seven screens at once. You know, you, the more decisions you make where you have an edge, the, the more the grind out is on the theoretical uh, ROI, return on investment. So, you know, sports, same thing. I have been in sports situations, and this will sound like a degenerate, but it's not, where I have had, I think my record is, of all time is I had 385 bets in one single day. Now, this is, that sounds insane. Like, you know, they're $100 bets. It's not like I was betting, you know, huge amounts of money. But you know, and there's a lot of action. And, you know, so 385 bets, how can you do that? Well, it was college basketball mostly, by the way, and half times and some hedging and getting off of some bets and this and that. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is a few years ago, at the end of the day, I made 400 and I think it was $410. 385 bets, I made $410. The, the edge there was about like 52.6% to whatever the other side of that, 46.3%, whatever. So I, I, I hit exactly the number I was looking for. And I made $410. You know what? You know what I said to myself after that day? I said, I had a great day. I had a fantastic day. It's exactly what I wanted to do. They have this idea about hitting the Grand Slam every week or having a huge Sunday. No, 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 no. I want to hit 54 55%, and anything else I get over the top is gravy. You know that, Teddy. So I remember I did a show. I did a, uh, a feature. I think it was, a, it was ESPN 60, I think it was. It wasn't a 30 for 30. It was ESPN 60. Uh, with Chad Millman, who now works for the Action Network, and we were live betting uh, over at the end. Um, and at the end of the day, I made a bunch of bets. At the end of the day, I was up 180 bucks. I think it was, it was you know, relatively short, but it was something. Uh, and Chad looks at me and he goes, you know, well, uh, you're disappointed. I'm like, I did a double take. I'm like, no, <laughs> I made money today. <laughs> you know, uh, every day is not a get-rich-quick day. Um, if you end the day with more money than you started, as a sports better or as a poker player, you've had a good day, and you're not going to complain about it, uh, regardless of how much you have in action. You know, 385 bets to make 410 bucks is not a lot. It's a lot of sweat. But at the end of the day, you made money. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Of course, talking here with uh, Nolan Dalla, longtime of Vegas resident. He's been here for 20 years, and I want to get into the NFL now. I really do. When you talk about your betting style or your strategies, you're someone that blogs every week and gives out all your plays every week at nolandala.com. You talk for about free. over how many articles? For free. Yeah, yeah, for actually, yeah, I'll say that for free. Uh, how many articles did you say you've written on uh, on sports betting? Oh, I mean, over the course of like you know magazines, websites, and you know uh, this and that. Uh, not counting my own stuff, like you know, I mean, I'm not making it up. Of course, we're talking about 25 years of material here, but you know, over a thousand in poker, probably another 3,000. So, you know, that's a lot of words, <laughs> a, lo a lot of stuff that, by the way, may have been actually wrong. And I'm the, one of the writers that will tell you that I'm constantly learning. Uh, as you well know, we're, I guess, quoted sometimes and we're thought of maybe as authority figures. Sometimes we're called professionals. Well, really, I'm a student. I, I, I I'm always learning. I'm always making adjustments. I never say, you know, sometimes you have fun and bravado and you like to spike the ball, but I always say, man, I have much more to learn. And I never have a set a rule. I think your, your question here is what is your, you know, procedure for looking at, say, a, a card, you know. And here, here's, here's my procedure. You know, what it, you know what it is? It's I look at it again and again and again. 
And I, and I never like get caught, try not to get caught up in falling in love with a, a team or a number or a situation. I think you have to really look at the reasons not to bet something. If you like something early in the week, look for reasons not to bet or maybe bet the other side. And if you can't find those reasons, maybe that makes a solid bet. I look from things from a very I think, different point of view. Everyone falls in love with the ESPN prognosticators. There's a lot of, uh, of stuff out there. I call it noise. It's an echo chamber. It, it, it's sometimes not... Uh, um, not good for, for an independent handicapper. Um, I think it's even dangerous. But that also creates some value on the other side if you're willing to be a contrarian and think outside the, blo- outside the box. Sure. We're going to talk more about contrarian strategy, riding streaks, how we break down the games on a week-by-week basis. We're only getting started here. Nolan Dalla continues on Cover It with Teddy Covers. And I'm telling you, it's a loaded show. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers. Here on SiriusXM Channel 204, the Sports Grid, a radio network. We got extended time today with longtime Vegas resident, semi-pro poker player, and semi-pro better. We'll call him Nolan Dolan. Nolan, we went into the break talking about some of your strategies. And you talked about the fact that you like to look at the games you like early in the week and then see if you can find reasons to go the other way. If you can't, they become bets. Would you call yourself a contrarian player? Would you call yourself someone that rides streaks? Talk to me about your NFL betting style and your NFL strategies. Yeah, I, I would call myself a contrarian. That's a term that really I, you know, again, I talked about my writings, but I started using that term about 20 years ago in my writings, and it was really taken from the, the stock uh, investing world or Wall Street or, you know, basically, you know, it, uh, basically when you see uh, dips in the market, you know, buy the dip, that kind of thing. There, there, is, there is some... some application to sports gambling, uh, particularly with the uh, proliferation of sports all over the country now and more casinos opening up, more people getting into it. I think you have, this is the good thing about this phone call and getting into the, say, the 2021 season, we are in a golden age again, maybe, of sports gambling, where there will become some dead money again. Uh, the market was getting really, really tough, as you well know, over the last 10 or 15 years. A lot of very smart people. Man, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat sports, and it's really hard to beat NFL, and it's damn hard to beat NFL sides. I mean, I can't even shout that out loud enough. But again, the more people we have in the pool, the more information that's out there. I think that creates a market. Yes, a market for contrarianism. And what that means, very briefly, is essentially not listening to the obvious or going the obvious way. Doesn't mean always jumping on bad teams. That's that's not correct. Doesn't mean you know doing something what people consider stupid. It just means you cannot again go with the, the crowd. Again, there's a reason that <laughs> there's a reason these casinos exist. It's because um, <laughs> you know there's a, there's an somebody else taking the other side of that. And I think that you want to be on the other side of a lot of popular sentiment when it comes to all uh, sports. By the way, one more thing, if I may continue, Teddy. Uh, People are obsessed, I think, with sides and totals. 
most of my wagers now because it's become so damn difficult to to beat NFL sides in my view uh, is is first halves quarters betting and a lot of halftime betting uh, props some futures I mean I think that my my menu is probably eighty percent non sides and totals now because again those numbers are usually correct and uh, you know do I get caught up emotionally sometimes in games yeah I'm not perfect I I'm, I stumble a lot along the way but again the idea is that you want to be on it, it, you want to be in more good situations than bad and that's how you become a winner yeah, it's about putting yourself in positive expectation situations and once that happens all you can do is let the cards fall where they may um, you talked a little bit about some of the futures, some of the season-long bets. And obviously, we have the NFL kickoffs starting this coming week on Thursday night and then a full slate of games on Sunday and Monday. Are you a guy that makes future book wagers? Do you some of this betting uh, a lot of season-long stuff? Uh, I guess that's a yes or no. Do you play player props? Do you play season win totals? Do you play odds to win division or conferences or Super Bowl? Uh, let's go through them one at a time. Uh, are you playing player props season-long? Uh the answer to that is no. Do I look at them? Yes. Uh, real quick uh, sidebar on this, especially for people who are listening. I think a lot of us are, you know, do we really want to tie up 500 or or 1000 or whatever the, the, the unit we're betting? Do we really want to tie up that money for six, seven months? i got to admit that's a factor for me. You know, if, if I had, like, unlimited liquid, you know, I'm, I, you know, sure, I might put down, you know, $10,000 in player props about this and that. I don't have that kind of liquid. I, I'm going to need my bankroll because I have other sports coming up in November, remember? We've got basketball and hockey coming up, so I'm going to need a lot of liquid when the holidays start. So my thing is I need cash. So I don't like tying up my money in futures. I know that that's uh, not the, the, the question you're, you're, you're asking. However, that's probably a realistic question for a lot of listeners out there, and I'm no different than that. So I don't like tying up my money. Now, if I can bet it on credit, and by the way, you know what I mean by that, right? That wink, wink, wink. If I can bet it on credit, but I, I, I'm all over futures. Uh, team, by the way, team, um, team win totals. I, I usually will put down money on that and, and eat that because I don't mind, you know, betting a, a team over. But when you start blistering the board with player props and this and that, you better have some liquid in your pocket, and it's going to be tied up for four or five, six months. Uh, that yeah, to me I, I agree is not with that good for me. As a concept, at the same time. If you're making positive expectation bets, all right, if you have a good season-long bet to make, you have to make it. <laughs> you know, it's not a situation where, oh, uh, our, let's just, in theory, say I've got this bet and it's a lock. All right, it can't lose. Even every bet can lose. But it's, a, it's as close to a lock as you're going to find. Someone put out a bad number. I'm getting an off-market number. I have as positive expectation of wagers as I can find. I'm going to get down as much money as I possibly can on that bet even if it means that I'm a little bit short going into the season because one really good bet is better than a bunch of mediocre bets or kind of good bets. Agree or disagree? Uh, agree totally. One thing, I, however, I want to do is reduce some variance here. And, for example, you talk about player props. For me, that, that's high variance. Now, I recognize a team, team, isn't it also the same variance? Well, no, because if you bet it – any team can have a really bad game or a bad afternoon. But, you know, over the course of the season, we know that, you know, Kansas City is going to win 12 or 13 games. But, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs got blown out by the Raiders one, one week last week. So they have bad days. I think it's the same thing. I, I, I want to reduce variance if and when I can. I think the player props and some of these things you're talking about, I completely agree with you. Uh, the other thing is this. I, 
I don't have – I am not a fantasy guy. I don't really – I can't name the entire offensive line for the Detroit Lions. I don't know who can. Maybe you, Teddy, you're from <laughs> Detroit. But, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm not – I have a limited amount of time and resources and energy. I do coattail some people. If Teddy Saransky tells me, oh, man, you've got to bet uh, – um, I'm just going to say this, Tom Brady under the passing yards total for the season because of he's got a, you know, maybe a little, you know, whatever you've heard, I might take that to the bank and run to the window and, you know, bet it. Don't get me wrong. But, it's, but as far as me coming up with my own stuff, am I going to spend a ton of time uh, and resources and energy um, working on individual player props? The answer is usually no. Derek Henry is the one guy you want to play under. Uh, yeah. Titans star running back who had close to 400 carries last year, and you go back and look at the guys that have 350-plus carries the following year, and it's an auto bet under. I see it every time uh, that I can. So that's the one that I can recommend for you right now. So season win totals, you bet. Do you bet stuff like odds to win division? Do you bet odds to win the conference or the Super Bowl, the longer shot futures? Or are you really focused on the yes-no props, the over-under on season wins, that type of thing? Well, usually season wins. However, I've gotten into the last two years, a lot of because of my writing, people have just asked me, would you, would you write this up? And some of the sites I've uh, written for and write for have just said, hey, there's a market for this. You've got to get into it. So, you know, kind of like, don't get me wrong, I, I, I am a horse can be led to water to drink here. Uh, by the way, real quick on, on, on Henry, I completely agree with you. The wear and tear on the body. Uh, you know, probably necessitates an underbet there. And I like what you're saying there. You're making an adjustment on the fly. Uh, I mean, that just kind of comes to you. Uh, same thing with, with – I don't intend to bet on a division winner, but when I see the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, I saw, the, saw this earlier, they're plus 400 to win that division. Now, listen, I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm not really high on the Steelers, but at that price, you know, of course I'm going to put down a little coin on that. Now, does, does that mean they're going to win division? No. But it's sure, I sure like them at that price, and I could get into some other things as well. That sometimes when you see a number, you just got to, you know, you got to strike. Because by the way, real quick on this, about a month ago there was a, some futures on the Packers, and they were all really correlated to uh, Aaron Rodgers not signing or, or being traded and not uh, not playing. Uh, all the all the all the props uh, wagers related to the Packers were, you know kind of ridiculous. And, of course, a lot of us, I've talked to a lot of people from Wisconsin, they said, no, he's going to sign. Just just get down on this. He, no, so I listened to people there. I thought, you know, at the very worst-case scenario, I may have a ticket that has a small negative expectation if Rodgers is traded and they have to start a, a, you know, a, a bad quarterback. But it, in, in the case of, again, anticipating what the market would go to, and then, of course, Rodgers goes to camp, he's going to start, and he's probably going to throw for 5,000 yards. Doesn't mean that necessarily I'm going to win, but now I've got really good numbers on all those Packers uh, futures bets. So I think, again, you've got to anticipate the market, where it's going to go, the Cam Newton thing we're going to talk about later. I mean, you've got to be ahead of the wave and not behind it. Well, let's talk about the Cam Newton thing right now. We've got just sure. uh, about 90 seconds before the break. Uh, but when the Patriots cut Cam Newton and inserted Mac Jones as the starting quarterback, the betting markets did this. <sighs> it was a collectively yawn. It probably moved, I don't know, a quarter of a point. I mean, it was mostly three even monies. Uh, you know, New England three or three even money. And now it's still New England three. There's some books that moved to two and a half. Uh, from a total standpoint, the total was 45. And with Mac Jones' QB now, it's more like 44 uh, and a half. So mm -hmm. they said, yeah, Mac Jones may be worth a half point compared to Cam Newton. Tell me about your thoughts about the Patriots. Again, we got just about a minute before. Well, the break. I, 
I, you know, you're, you're, you're not betting the Patriots. You're betting Bill Belichick and his ability to coach uh, a, a unit of, you know, a ragtag team. Has he done this before? Has he taken, you know, uh, question marks and turned them into exclamation points, and that means wins on the scoreboard? Yes. I think that's what people have to ask themselves is how fast, how quick, uh, how much you know? How much of a uh, rebuilding process is Belichick going to put into this team? I think he's just basically played his showed, he's shown his his hand open face here by saying I'm going to start Jones at quarterback. Uh, so uh, you know he he's in this for the long run. There's obviously no pressure on him. Uh, but but you know I, I I don't care about Cam Newton. I I have no interest in in that question where he's going to end up or whatever. But you know, what does this mean for the Patriots? I think it's probably a positive thing. It means they may start out the season slowly, maybe a little more conservative offense. But you know what? As the season goes along, you know, players can get better. Teams can improve in midseason. I think you'll probably see. We'll that have more with Nolan Dollar coming up right after the break. Covering with Teddy Covers continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't miss anything from our programming. Go to Twitter. And follow us at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV to stay informed all day long. You'll see clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else. Again, on Twitter, at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore covers. And I guess you can follow my guest. We follow him on Facebook at Nolan Dollar. The Twitter account is no more. Uh, Nolan, <laughs> before the break, we were talking a little bit about the Patriots with Cam Newton versus Mac Jones, and the market's basically saying, yeah, there's not all that much difference between these two quarterbacks from a point spread perspective. But I want to ask you, heading into week one, are there a handful of teams or players that you think right now may be underrated, undervalued in the betting markets coming into the season with their current personnel? And basically what that means, an underrated team, an undervalued team in the betting markets coming into the season, that means bet on out of the gate. Who do you like, Mr. Dalla? Okay, well, see, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fold this in with my season wins uh, uh, projections and bets that I made. Uh, there are three, uh, and then I'll get to one quickie here. I'll roll through this. Uh, New Orleans over nine. Uh, it's nine and a half. Some spots I, got an, I found a nine. Uh, I think the Saints are, are, are – this is a 12-win team last season. They went 12-4. and four. They won the division. People forget that. They won the division with Drew Brees, who couldn't hit a tablecloth with a ball by the end of, end of the last season. He was out, out five or six games. So the Saints, I think, are, are very live uh, to win 11, 12, uh, you know, maybe more. They could, they could win that division again. Pittsburgh Steelers over eight and a half. I talked about the Steelers earlier. I think people are writing them off too early. Also, here's my surprise, the New York Giants over seven. I think the New York Giants are healthy again. Uh, the, all the entire coaching staff is in their second season now. I think that's very important as opposed to their first season. And uh, there's not a lot of expectations from the Giants also. There's not a lot of pressure on this team. I think all these, and, and they play in a very weak division, arguably the, uh, the weakest division in the NFL. I think all these factors favor the Giants to be a team uh, that, that I would look to uh, bet on early in the season and for the season. As far as a team I'd fade early, 
I, I just hate to. I talked about being contrarian, but I can't. I, I just cannot go against the, the crowd. At least I've heard on this, and that's Tennessee. You know, the, the hitting, getting hit with a COVID bug. Uh, the head coach, nine players, I believe, two assistants. Uh, their training camp was completely disrupted. Um, this, this is a very good team, but this also is a team that had a very bad defense last season. I don't think they fixed that problem. And as, as, as talented as, as uh, the Titans are, that is a team I would look to fade, especially early in the season, because I think that you've got to get your reps in and um, uh, training camp. I think those things are beneficial to most teams. Tennessee really needed that on defense. They didn't get it. I would fade the Titans in September. So at the top of the show, I talked about how when Hurricane Ida was barreling towards New Orleans, there were a bunch of bettors that I knew that were running around town firing in limit bets on the Saints under and Tulane under and Southern Miss under. <laughs> um, based on the fact that there, you know, there, there's going to be a significant disruption there. And again, the Saints have already lost a home game. And they're already an NFC team that plays only eight home games this year compared to nine on the highway. And now they lose another one. And now they're dealing with issues, you know, uh, in and around New Orleans where their life outside of football is severely disrupted. Does that worry you at all about the New Orleans Saints? You say you like this team a lot, but off-field, I mean, this isn't a Katrina situation where, again, the wise guys were pounding the Saints under and they finished 3-13 and that year. Uh, and they were lucky to win the three games. Uh, it wasn't easy. <laughs> uh, this isn't that, but there has certainly been some sharp money going the other direction. Do you worry about the circumstances for New Orleans, even though you like them uh, over their season window? Yeah, do I, do I worry? Yes, I do worry. I worry about everything, by the way. I worry about when I, have a good, when I think I have a good bet, I worry. I'm always worrying. So, yes, of course. And as I said, I mentioned about thinking about it again and again and again and again. And that's one of the reasons this total is lower, is I think that people are overreacting. People that live in New Orleans, especially this is a veteran team, veteran coaching staff, I don't want to say they're used to this, but they're used to this. And it is not Katrina. And don't get me wrong, the first week or two, yeah, disruption. By the way, the Saints were a terrible September team anyway. If you looked at the Saints the last, uh, I forgot uh, how many years, I don't have the stats. Last 10 years, this was more than a good September bet. Excuse me? 4 and 16 against the spread the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, this is a terrible they, team they really anyway. They ready coming out of training camp. This is not a good team. that They do start gelling midseason and they get stronger, and then they crash in the playoffs. That's another story. But the Saints are I, – I, nothing's changed here. Also, the, there's a diminishing return on the Saints' so-called home field advantage. By the way, that's – you and I have talked about this offline. The entire NFL so-called home field advantage is overrated probably by the market. So – uh, I think we agreed on that. Certainly the, the stats last season bore that out. So losing a game in the Superdome, that, that probably meant something six, seven years ago. I don't know if it means as much now. Uh, by the way, there's actually some contrarian thought of thought that uh, you've seen Aaron Rodgers' uh, record in Florida. They're going to play this game apparently in Jacksonville. He doesn't play particularly well there and this and that. And the Saints, you know, do train outdoors mostly in hot and humid conditions. So, you know, again, there are some maybe some actually built-in advantages here for the Saints. Uh, so, I, you know, I would say that there's kind of a wash on this is what I'm saying. Sure. And, of course, the Saints in the trenches are absolutely loaded. Um, offensive line, defensive line, New Orleans, that duo as strong as, as any team in the NFL, uh, including the Indianapolis Colts, who are going to battle your Tennessee Titans uh, for division supremacy in the AFC South. You said something interesting that I want to touch on here. You talked about the Giants and the NFC East as being 
uh, and that division is as weak as any in football this year. Yeah, sure. I'm looking uh, at the I, NFC East, and I'm mm-hmm. saying this division is way better than it was last year. Every team in the division is better than it was last year. And this year, I look and say, it's the AFC South is clearly the weakest division in football. And frankly, NFC North doesn't look all that good on paper either. Do you still think the NFC East is the weakest division going into this year? Or do you think there are other weak divisions where we'll take advantage of? Remember, last year did nothing but bet against NFC East teams when they faced any other division for the first six weeks of the season. You went like... Two and twenty-one, or twenty-one and two against the spread. It was insane how bad these teams were. Um, give me your take on the NFC East in comparison. Let's say the AFC South or the NFC North, two other suspect divisions. Well, that, that's a great point you made, and in your equation, I think you have to quantify how much weight or lack of weight are we giving giving to really, really bad teams. For example, in my view. You know, Houston Texans are probably the worst team in football, worst organization in the NFL. That may be, that may be I don't know, anybody would challenge that right now, the way that team is coming into the season. Uh, so, you know, let's that, put them at the bottom. But the Eagles are right there, I think. You know, I, I think the Eagles are a complete mess right now, maybe not as bad as the Texans. But I think, uh, you know, that, so that's, I think those two wash each other out. There's two teams from the uh, AFC South that could make the playoffs, though. I mean, Tennessee certainly can make the playoffs, and Indianapolis, especially if they get some help at quarterback. And the defense plays as well as they are capable of playing. And this is a good coach. Frank Reich's a good coach. This is a team that could make the playoffs as well. There are two teams that are playoff contenders. Jacksonville, uh, probably not going to do much this season. I think they're 8-1 eight, eight to one to win the division. So let's just throw out two, and then let's say there's two playoff contenders. NFC East. Dallas with, da- with Dak Prescott, yes, uh, that's a playoff contender. But you know what? Once, once Prescott went down, what'd they go? 5-11 and 11 last season? That was an yeah. awful football team. I'm not sure the defense has been fixed. I know they've got the uh, Falcons ex-coach coming over, running the defense now, but I, I'm not. That Dallas is always overrated by the market. Always, always, always. Washington, good defense. Uh, Fitzpatrick, ninth NFL team, or is he going to be the answer? So maybe you, maybe you have two teams that are playoff contenders there, but again, nobody in that division had a winning record last season. Now I talked about the Giants improving. That's my dark horse. So maybe I've kind of like talk myself out of it because of the New York Giants saying they have a little better, they're better than Jacksonville as a third-place team. So I think it's close. Uh, I didn't answer your question, did I? <laughs> well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you bet on every NFC East team in non-divisional games, you're not going to start out 2-21 and 21 like you did last year. I think that <laughs> okay. is significantly improved. Just a couple minutes left here uh, with Nolan Dalla. Um, let's talk totals for a minute. Yay, Over totals. Teams, under teams. Give me an over team and an under team right out of the gate in the NFL betting marketplace. A team you want to bet overs every week. They're playing fast. Their defense is bad. Their offense is good. A team that you want to play under. They can't score touchdowns. They settle for field goals. The defense is loaded. The offense is going to be sputtering. Give me one of each. Uh, I got to give you two of each, two of one, and, and one of another. And by the way, sure. with the rule changes, with the rule changes, the blocking thing, you, you know about that. I'm sure you've talked about it on down on the show. Again, another reason to bet offense. Another reason to bet overs. Uh, they just man, they just want scoring in the NFL. That's that's a fact. Uh, oh, my over my over teams, the Cleveland Browns, just loaded offensively. Another year under the belt for the for the staff. I I think we have we finally have a real team in Cleveland for a change. 
Uh, and I, I think the defense is still struggling. So I like the Browns as being an over. They just love to throw that ball. And then the Rams. I think the Rams are going to just get a, a total infusion. They're going to change everything on the offense. It was kind of a sluggish team uh, the last few seasons. Uh, I think this Matt Stafford is the real deal. They're playing in the Dome. I always like Dome teams anyway. Just the perfect 72-degree conditions, the perfect situation for Matt Stafford after being on an abysmal team for his entire 10-year career. I think the Rams are probably an over team. The under, the under team, um, I, I, the Colts, uh, meaning totals under, uh, I think the Colts, again, this is a team that's going to struggle, I think, offensively, especially with Carson Wentz's uncertainties. Even when he comes back, I'm not sure that that's a, you know, necessarily a good thing for the, for the scoreboard for the Colts, but that's a really solid defense. And as you mentioned, they're playing in a really soft division, except for maybe Tennessee. Nobody's really capable of producing points in that division. So I think the, uh, e- even, if, even if some of the totals hit 40 or 41, could have get into the 30s maybe, high 30s, I still like unders on Colts games. That's interesting, because that, that, to me, I, I always like unique opinions, you know. I like someone that's going to tell me something that I haven't heard from 47 other people before <laughs> already. And um, the Colts as an under team, that's the first I've heard of it. I'm going to pay attention to that particular idea, and it makes sense to me. You know, Andy, you know, they're loaded in the trenches. They really are. Their strength is on the offensive line and on the defensive line. They should be a team that runs the football fairly effectively. But... When it comes to the red zone, you know, under teams kick field goals, over teams score touchdowns, and I'm not convinced right. that Carson Wentz is going to push the biscuit in the basket on a week-in, week-out basis for Indy. And he's an under team. That, you've piqued my interest with what, that. One more thing, if I may, just to spike the ball one more time. Is, Real quick. Is look, at the pa- look, at the, look at the passing uh, attempts for, for these teams. That's, that's a really big indicator. Fra- Frank Clark does not like to throw the ball 50 times a game. If, if they do, they're way behind. Uh, you know, the Cleveland Browns throw the ball 55 times a game. Uh, the Steelers, this is a team that's trying to get back to the run. They can't do it. That was the worst rushing offense in the NFL last season. The Steelers, bad rushing offense. Can you believe it? They threw the ball 52 times a game last season. I mean, the, the, these are telling you these are over teams usually. Well, that was your promo time, Nolan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got 10 seconds. Go. Nolan Dalla. Dot com. That's me. I love to write about everything, sports, politics, movie reviews, restaurant reviews, all things Las Vegas. NolanDallow.com. Also, PointSpreads.ca out of Canada. I write a lot of stuff from them, my dear friends in Canada. Great to be with you, Teddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, pleasure's all mine. Again, you can visit him at NolanDollar.com. When we come back. Yeah, I'm going to give you a week one pick. I haven't given you any week one picks yet. We've talked ideas, concepts. It's not a pick show, but you're going to get one. Stay tuned. Cover continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers here at Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. If you missed any part of today's show, it will replay. And, of course, you can get it 
on podcast version from wherever you download your podcast, Apple, whatever you want to use, all the major podcast outlets. Just look for Cover It with Teddy Covers. You can download it and catch anything that you missed from today's show, anything that you missed in the archives as well. Let's give you guys one bet for the NFL in week one. And look, I'm seeing the Chargers laying a point, a point and a half on the road at Washington on opening day. Early start game. I don't worry about West Coast teams traveling east for early start games. Um, I really don't. Um, Not even a little bit. In week one, we worry about it much more later in the season. But for week one, it's pretty much a non-factor. All that being said, and no one was talking about it earlier. There's no respect for Washington in the betting market. People look at Ryan Fitzpatrick and go, yeah, whatever. Ryan Fitzpatrick was good last year in Miami. I expect him to be good in Washington. Why? Because he's not afraid. He's going to throw the ball up and let his receivers go up and make plays on it. And when you look at the football team's skill position talent, man, they got speed on the outside. They have a strong running game. In the trenches is where I think Washington has the biggest advantage here. The Chargers have rebuilt their offensive line. That offensive line may end up being really good when all is said and done. I'm not convinced it's going to be good at all out of the gate. We didn't see it, you know, in the preseason. The Chargers didn't play anybody all preseason. I'm not convinced that that, that offensive line is going to be as good as it's supposed to be, the rebuilt unit on paper, and not against this defensive front. So I think Chargers are a little bit overrated in the opener. Week one? Take Washington plus a point. Don't take the plus one. Shop around. Find a plus one and a half. May not make any difference, but the one time it does, you'll be glad you did. That's going to wrap it for today's show. Best of luck. Enjoy the games. We'll see you next week right here on the Sports Grade Radio Network. Cheers. All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail.